you stay at a job probably more so because you like your boss and you like the people that you work with. And, you know, hopefully you like what you do. All those things are important. But really, if you think about it, it comes down to that inclusion. Do you feel like you can be yourself at work? Do you feel like you see representation like you in different roles throughout the company? All of that is incredibly important. Welcome to Light Data Action, the podcast that's on a mission to help you discover new technology trends and tools and better understand how they affect the world around us. Light Data Action is sponsored and produced by Lumen Technologies, the platform for amazing things. I'm your host, Terry Barbonis, and in each episode, I'll speak with industry executives and thought leaders to discuss how these technologies change the way we do business, how they influence the fourth industrial revolution, and how you can stay ahead of the innovation. If you're ready, let's join the conversation. Hey, everybody, welcome. Today, I want to talk about this war on talent. Now, the phrase war on talent was coined by uh, Stephen Hankin of McKinsey and Company all the way back in 1997 uh, in reference to the increasingly competitive landscape around attracting and retaining talented employees during that time. Now, back then, companies jockeyed for talent based on skills, location, industry. If you had offices in New York City, your target talent pool was likely the New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut region. If you were an auto manufacturer, you competed for talent with other auto manufacturers. If you were a luxury retailer, you competed with other luxury retailers and so forth. It was fairly straightforward, even as it was becoming more competitive. Fast forward 25 years, and the term war on talent is now more relevant than ever. Although it's now grouped with other terms such as great resignation and the big quit, attracting and retaining talent has become a complex endeavor where everyone competes with everyone else across industries. The effects of a pandemic have elevated remote work and radical flexibility to a table stakes deal-breaking perk. And culture, that hallowed construct of norms and behaviors that gives an organization its identity, it's going through a profound evolution of its own, driven by a job candidate pool that desires and demands to be part of a diverse, equitable, and inclusive work culture. And that's just the tip of the iceberg for the hiring challenges faced in the race for the best candidates in 2022 and beyond. So let's talk about this a little more because I think it's fascinating. My guest today is Shauna Gilliland, Vice President of Solution Architecture and Engineering for Lumen. Now, in her role, Shauna is responsible for driving the technical arm of the sales organization within Lumen, which includes the unenviable task of trying to hire the best and brightest technical resources for her teams. Shauna, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Great. Thanks, Terry. Shauna, can you go a little more? Uh, you know, I mentioned you running the solution architecture engineering teams for Lumen. Can, can you give the audience a little more detail about what that entails? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a customer-facing organization where we partner with the frontline sellers to discover design, um, sell 
different solutions to the customer. Um, our goal is really to be that trusted advisor to them where they come to us to understand where is technology going? Where, where is Lumen going? Um, how can you enable these particular business outcomes that I have? And then we have the responsibility to design the solutions, but that could mean it, it's not even necessarily just the technology side of it, but how it's delivered, working with operations and our product management organizations to make sure that how they get the solution that we've designed is consistent with their expectations. So it's a, it's a pretty holistic approach that we have in this organization. When you hear the term war on talent, sort of from where you sit within this organization as a hiring manager, as an executive, how do you interpret it? What's the lens that you, you look at it through? So for me, what I hear is we can never be complacent. It's not just about finding the right talent, but how do we keep the talent that we already have? And then how are we fostering that environment? And you mentioned culture um, where people want to really continue to grow. So we need to connect with our people in such a way that they feel valued, that we honor their time away from work, but also keep them excited about their jobs when they're at work. So that's really what I think about at a high level when I hear war on talent. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. I, I saw a, uh, a recent article um, regarding, again, war on talent, and, and it stated that uh, job seekers expect a consumer-like experience and human touch to nurture their journey. Uh, is that sort of the, I think a lot of this came out of how everything changed over the last two and a half years through a pandemic. How do you look at something like that? Because I think that's interesting. I think it's consideration for people holistically. So again, focusing not just how they are at work, but a general approach to the overall wellness as an individual. And those are some things that we take really seriously here at Lumen, which is ensuring that all employees, regardless of organization, have access to resources where they can really focus on themselves as individuals, whether it's financial well-being or personal well-being. Um, so I, again, I think it's looking at people as a whole. And when it comes to attracting the talent, you know, people want to meet people. They want to meet the people they're going to be interacting with. They want to see that the organization that they're joining has a similar drive and excitement about, you know, whatever the, the role is as that individual does. I think all of that's important when it comes to finding the right talent. Um, it gets even in my mind a little more complicated when you start to get into a technology organization because there are literally millions of jobs in technology that are unfulfilled. So if you are a job seeker in this industry, you have so many options. And so what's going to convince you to come to one organization versus the other? There's obviously the, you know, there's basic compensation, but is there, is there a career path? Um, are there opportunities for me to grow and expand my skills? Am I, you know, supporting a customer base, if you look at my organization, that I get excited about? So all of those things I think are really important. And Again, when you look at technology, it's changing so rapidly. 
we have to ensure that the talent that we do bring on board is enabled to, again, to drive those conversations, like I mentioned with our customers, about where the industry is going, that they're learning about the, the new products and services that we're rolling out and how that really enables a customer to be successful. So it's that constant looking at individuals where their passions are, you know, is it for a certain type of technology and are we helping them to expand their certifications or positioning them on certain projects that they can get excited about. But these are individual conversations that every leader at every level really needs to be having with their people to ensure that they stay engaged, that they're constantly challenged and excited about what they're doing every day. And speaking about, you know, when you look at your existing employees, what's the dynamic that comes into play in terms of one hand, on one hand, looking to not only retain existing employees, but keep them motivated and excited for the culture, the vision, and so forth? We, we could probably never keep pace with hiring everyone externally. And so when we look at how our company has evolved and the idea of upskilling and reskilling talent, that becomes incredibly important. So we put a lot of work working with our leadership and development organization into adult learning. So there are different approaches um, as you know, people get older and how they learn to retain information. So focusing on you know, computer-based training, instructor-led training, virtual simulations, which we find are really impactful to help information stick, um, I think has been really helpful as we've looked to upskill and reskill our organization. And then when we're looking for that new talent, you know, we'd be looking for people that have some of this maybe innate within them. They bring some of that to the table already. So, but there's still an opportunity for us to continue to enhance those capabilities that an outside employee would bring. So it's, it's constant. I mean, the, the opportunities to train the methodologies that we use are constantly evolving. And when we look at um, bringing in new talent from say our college connect program, that's even different because that generation, to the point you're making earlier, Terry, they have a different expectation about how they're going to be onboarded and the connection they want to have with the organization, with each other, with their teams. They wanna feel like they're a part of something. And so ensuring that we're continuing to foster that as they continue to grow within our organization becomes extremely important. How does um, another survey I've seen recently said something to the effect of uh, 42% of participants in that survey said they expect uh, new efforts regarding upskilling or reskilling employees? Again, I assume that's obviously both for existing employees. How do we make our current, how do we not only give opportunities to existing employees, but how do we get them ready for where the company is going, kind of future-proof them? And then obviously that's an added benefit to entice uh, new hires. Do you see when you talk to candidates, um, aside from things like compensation and, and work from home, is the opportunity to learn new skills high on the list for a new candidate 
from the perspective of weighing whether they pursue an opportunity with Lumen or another organization, or is it further down on the list? Where does reskilling or upskilling sit in that algorithm? I think I would classify it in terms of opportunity for professional growth. And because your career path is so personal to every individual, that could look different for different people. Um, For some people, it is absolutely about the ability to learn a new technology, to get those certifications. For other people, they want to know that maybe there's an opportunity to grow in leadership and what kind of leadership development do we offer? For other people, they want to know that, you know, how flexible is the company with me moving around? So, you know, I think all those things weigh differently depending on the individual. My experience having been, I'm dating myself, having been in technology for almost 30 years now, is that when there is, when there is change, where there may be chaos, where there's um, either something like a pandemic and there's unsurety or, or a company's going just through natural progression of, of changing, there always seems to be an opportunity for those that are uh, driven, they continue to uh, keep themselves at the front lines of the latest technology, they continue to be very collaborative and so forth. When that smoke kind of clears and you look around, you need to hire new roles. More often than not, those internal individuals that are in position A today have an opportunity that may not have been there before to move into a different position that more closely ties into their passion or more closely ties into something that they always hoped they'd be able to do, but for the time being, they were either happy with what they're doing now or there wasn't an opportunity. It it sounds like what you're saying is part of this war on talent for existing employees, there's a huge opportunity to do something not just different, but something that's closer aligned maybe to their passion and therefore make that individual not only more empowered, more productive and a a larger asset to the organization than even though I'm sure they did a great job in their prior role, this is more aligned to where they they want to go. Is is that a dynamic that I, I have a suspicion that that happens a lot. So <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you. It's so important for us to constantly be checking in with the people that work for us about where they're at currently with their career. Are they happy with what they're doing? Are there skills they want to to grow? Are there other opportunities they want to look at? And how do we position them to be ready for that next step that they want to take, wherever it may be? So I think it it is incredibly important. And this goes back to understanding employees as people, you know, maybe what's going on in the dynamics in their life. Have things changed for them? Um, Have they been volunteering somewhere that opened up their eyes to something that they now want to bring to the workplace and they want to try it somewhere else within the company? The other thing I've heard over the last few years from executives when we had conversations about war on talent, being proactive, um, I've heard loud and clear, sounds like you within your role in Lumen is doing the same thing in terms of addressing those on an ongoing basis rather than allowing it to snowball to the point of where now you have, you, you've gone past the point of ro- no return. And 
somebody that's a value to the company is going to leave because either they don't feel appreciated or some other dynamic. Yeah, I found that it's important to make sure that as a leader, you know, I'm accessible to my organization. Whoever needs to talk, I'm here to talk. Um, I want to make sure that people know that what they do is valuable, um, that it's seen and appreciated, and they're having an impact on our customers. They're having an impact on the company. All of those things become so important because that's what, you know, people want to feel valued. People want to feel like they're contributing to something bigger. So if we don't make a concerted effort to say that, to communicate it, then we've missed an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So I spoke earlier about when I talked about the table stakes deal breaking perk of remote work and radical flexibility. When you look at the whole notion of working remotely, work from home and so forth, um, is it a double edged sword from the perspective that on one hand, it's about of a large uh, of a table stake as there is. We've seen companies, even large technology companies like Apple, for example, try to bring people back in the office. And there's been a huge, uh, you know, quote unquote, rebellion against against doing that. But when it comes to specifically to technical resources that maybe more so than others are used to, um, you know, working outside of the office even before a uh, pandemic, is is it a a double-edged sword in terms of having a strong technical culture within the broader culture of an organization just because of the nature. I mean, I've run development teams and it was one of the most tightly knit group that I've ever managed, right? Whether you're doing, you know, stand up uh, um, scrum discussions or you're just sitting down to do code review, they tend to be very close knit. How does that, how does that change for the better or the worse when now you're scattered kind of all over the place, even with tools um, like video conferencing and and chat and other things to kind of keep everybody together. Is it a double-edged sword or is it really a, um, is that not the right way to look at it? It's actually a benefit. Well, I agree with the first comment that you made that it's table stakes in order, allowing people to work remote. It is incredibly important, but I do agree from a technical standpoint, it is a double-edged sword because some of that organic ideation that might happen maybe before, after a meeting or in the break room, you know, someone's walking by a whiteboard with a buddy and they draw something and start start bouncing ideas off each other. You lose that. Um, right. So what it means is we have to be that much more intentional about how we come together and think together. How do we ideate together. You know, there are tools out there that we can use. It's different. So as much as we're learning more about different ways to upskill and reskill and how adult learning works, we've got to continue to to work on how do we knowledge share across an organization. So even that becomes a challenge. I mean, we, you know, we've got folks that work in the same office, but now people aren't in the office on the same days. And so you kind of miss that opportunity to sit in a conference room together and do a brown bag lunch and learn or something. 
or to share, just again, share ideas in person. And the, the dynamic is different when you're sitting in a room together. You can read body language a little better. Again, you can jump up and draw on the board uh, and, and talk through ideas. So it, it's a challenge. I think it's a challenge right. across the board. And, you know, the description you were talking about, about scrum teams, I don't know that I've seen that work very well virtually. Right, right. And and I think the other, and this is the piece that, you know, I, I've even before the pandemic, uh, it, I worked remotely a lot. I'd go into offices as, as needed and then obviously travel. I think the piece sometimes that I enjoyed most that also gets isn't appreciated enough when you don't have a lot of it is just the social aspect of being in the same location face-to-face with those you work with, not just those on your own team, but those within the broader ecosystem. It, it creates a bond that um, I think sometimes is underappreciated because we think go into the office because you have to have a meeting to talk about business. And I'm not undervaluing that, but I think going into the office to just go and have lunch with a group of individuals to create a bond. Yeah. And and that goes back to my point of we have to be so intentional. So, you know, maybe you're not going into the office every day, but maybe you make a point of saying every other Wednesday I'm going to be here and this other group of people or others are going to be in the office and create a reason for people to want to come. Um, those are all things we need to consider as leaders is how do we create that environment? How do we, you know, how do we plan in our budgets for making sure that people can be together on some sort of regular basis? I mentioned earlier in my opening about people wanting, um, you know, the job candidate pool desiring and demanding to be part of diverse, equitable and um, inclusive work culture to, to the point of where when we look at, you know, the, the big quit or the big resignation, one of the reasons that employees have said they left current organizations is because they didn't see the inclusion that they were so desiring. So when you look at that whole DEI, diversity, equity, and, and, and inclusion, um, where does that fit in do you think from an organizational perspective, even greater than some of the other perks that I mentioned, that right from the get-go uh, as a hiring manager to be able to demonstrate that as an employee of this company, as an employee of Lumen, here's the types of things we're doing to make every individual uh, feel you know, included feel equitable in their, in their say within the organization and then have an organization that is, um, that has a level of diversity, um, where somebody says, you know what, on, on that alone, this is an organization that I want to work for. How do you approach something like that? Cause I think it's very different than the way we've approached candidates before, right? You want to, yeah. are you talented? Do you have the skill set? Are you a good fit? And then can I afford you <laughs> as a hiring manager? <laughs> yeah, I, I love that this has become, I'll say it's just so important. And really the last couple of years that it's been at the forefront. And what gets me excited about it is we've kind of said it a long time. We've just put a different title to it. But you, you stay at a job probably more so because you like your boss and you like the people that you work with. 
and you know, hopefully you like what you do. All those things are important, but really, if you think about it, it comes down to that inclusion. Do you feel like you can be yourself at work? Do you feel like you see representation like you in different roles throughout the company? All of that is incredibly important. And I take that very seriously in my role, being a woman leading a technical organization. I had a lot of people reach out to me when I got into this role within my own organization and other parts of the company that were just so excited to see that. To me, I have an important responsibility in how I represent the organization and Lumen in general, but also to ensure that it's front of mind, that we're creating opportunities for people, that we are looking for diversity of talent and thought, and that we really drive making people feel valued. Again, that they feel like they're part of something bigger. It's, these are human beings we're talking about. They, we want them to want to come to work, to put in that discretionary effort because they love what they do so much. And that's a big part of, of what we have to do and think about day in and day out when it comes to talent. Yeah. And I think there is quite honestly, no greater accolade. I mean, we talk about, um, you know, sustainability is another strategic business outcome that comes up a lot recently. Um, and there's all kinds of surveys and companies are rated on how sustainable they are. And, and this whole idea that um, doing well doesn't mean that you can't do good. I, I think the accolades for being a diverse, equitable, inclusive organization is quite honestly the best accolade that you can get. Because it isn't easy, right? It requires you to, you know, to evolve culture. Evolving culture means you have to change the way you think about these things. And you're doing it under the gun, under the pressure that there are still, for one reason or the other, you may have employees that are leaving. You need to, you're growing, so you need to hire more. So there's the downward pressure that you still have to find the right people. Compensation still needs to be aligned. And yet you also have this kind of greater cause, if you will, for the lack of a better term, um, to be an organization that from, from you know, diversity, inclusion and all that is at their top of their game. So to me, when somebody says, you know, of Lumen, another organization, you know, in this survey, you were rated the best in X, Y, Z. Uh, I, I look at that with greater pride than I would some of the other things, because I think, like I said, it's not easy. So to be able to attain that, to be able to be recognized for that is, is an accomplishment. Yeah, agreed. And I'm, you know, I'm really proud of the investments that we've made to, to this cause, you know, in terms of hiring a chief diversity inclusion officer, the employee resource groups that we have in place, um, we measure it. We measure kind of employee engagement and how they feel from an inclusive standpoint twice a year to kind of get the, the pulse of the organization. And, you know, as, as leaders, there's information that's shared for us to, to continue to drive the, the diversity within our organizations. So it's, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do as a company because we know that a more diverse workforce achieves greater results. Who does... Um from your perspective in terms of hiring for your technical organization, I mentioned earlier that dynamic about, you know, it used to be that you 
um, you competed for talent within a specific vertical or within, within a, a regional area. From, uh, from Lumen's perspective, are there specific companies or industries that um, we compete with for talent, or is it just straight up like everybody else? It's a cross industry. Everybody's looking to hire, the, especially when it comes to technical resources, the best and brightest. Um, but is there anybody in particular that you see that we um, compete against for, for talent, or is it really all over the place? You know, a few years ago, I would say we competed a lot with other, say, large telecommunications companies. But as Lumen has evolved and we're looking to bring on folks with expertise in security or expertise in uh, cloud or edge computing or things like that, it really does kind of come across the board. I mean, people, we need people with a the knowledge and passion for those types of businesses or those types of solutions. And that's really what we're looking for. And that doesn't come from, you know, an old telecommunications company anymore. So it really is across the board within my organization where we start to look for talent. Um, When we talk about our College Connect program and bringing folks in with recent undergraduate degrees, you know, there's a tremendous amount of areas that we look at, whether it's specific to some engineering degree, information systems, telecom networking, but across the board are kind of areas that we would focus on. But still, we have such an in-depth onboarding program for these young people, the young talent that we find, that as long as they have a, a passion for learning and a passion for technology, and they're comfortable speaking in front of groups of people, we can leverage that to really help them at the start of their careers and gain some amazing experience. Yeah, and speak a little more about that that um, sort of internship program because one of, one of the things, and again, this is something that I've heard from other organizations, I always look at you know our internship program like uh, the farm system on a baseball team, right? You have the teams that have been able, that have a strong farm system that are always bringing people up to the majors, if you will, from their double A AA and triple A and so forth. And I think now more than ever, the ability to bring in individuals that are driven, have a level of, of you know, smarts and so forth to be able to mature into your next generation season mature employees. I think that's another thing that's more important than ever to spend the time to create a program where you can bring in those individuals and kind of work them through the system, if you will, give them different jobs, uh, different responsibilities, so that when you, you know, continue down the path, and who knows how long, I, I have a feeling it's this war on talent's going to go on for a while. You're also kind of protecting yourself uh, in being able to kind of grow your own uh, in terms of staffing. Yeah. So we've got a couple of different programs. There's there's an internship program that runs over the summer for 10 weeks. And even this year in 2022, we're bringing on 117 interns across the company. So it's a big investment that we're making. Um, these are folks that, you know, maybe they're interested in sales and maybe they're interested in solution engineering within my organization. Um, we've got 
interns in the legal department and different parts of the business. So it's an opportunity for folks that are typically between their third and fourth year of college to come into the workforce, get a feel for Lumen and our culture, and just, again, a chance for for the young talent coming in to see what we have to offer. And is it a mutual fit? Because I think that's so important. So you've spent a bit of time in, in public sector. How does hiring in this environment, how is it different in public versus private sector? It's a great question, and I'm going to say it depends. So sure. the way that we have classified public sector is the Department of Defense, the intelligence community, civilian government, and state, local, and education. So depending on which vertical that you're talking about within public sector probably has a very different answer. So as an example, if I'm talking about supporting the intelligence community, most likely those folks are going to need to be in a single location, need to come to the office every day to do their job, to work within a certain type of facility. And then when you're talking about finding the right talent, there are certain table stakes that may be necessary in terms of the type of clearance that they may need. Um, But then if you start talking about civilian government, maybe it depends on where that agency is headquartered, where the decision makers are. Um, You know, maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe everyone can just be remote and we make that work with travel from, you know, here and there. How has the hiring process changed um, in that, you know, you're trying to make sure you get a hold of uh, that a candidate you identify who's also looking at four other job opportunities that you get them locked in or her locked in sooner rather than later. Has the hiring process changed or been optimized, if you will, to allow you to to get the candidate that you're looking for sooner rather than later? We have some pretty straightforward AI interview uh, process that they go through. And that's just going to help give us a basic understanding um, if they possess some of those skills that we deem valuable for the job with which they're applying. So what that helps us do is get an initial assessment faster of any candidate that's applying for an opportunity. We also really value having a diverse interview process. So making sure that we have you know, lots of representation, whether it's in a panel interview or just one-on-one interviews, because it's interesting the different perspectives and experiences that people have, both as a candidate and as an interviewer, depending on who you're talking to. So whether or not it's streamlined, you know, good question. But what I think it's doing is we're finding talent that is a better fit. So whether, you know, we're a better fit for them, they're a better fit for us. And so I think the investments that we've made and very purposefully driving the, uh, again, kind of a diverse interview panel has been really helpful. Yeah, I think it's obviously another, we talk about double-edged sword. You, you want to you wanna get somebody on board um, as quickly as you can, but you don't want to cut the process down to the point where you onboard somebody and then it ends up not being a good fit. Is there such a thing as sort of a, a good or an ideal candidate right from the get-go you say to yourself, oh, we need to make sure we get these individuals you know, interviewed and so forth because it seems like they fit that 
mold of the type of individual we're looking for? Yeah, good question. Um, so I could think about it a couple different ways. And if I think about an individual contributor um, within it, my technical organization, you know, having that passion for technology is certainly important because these are the types of people that are the lifelong learners. They're the ones that are going to jump in with both feet when change is occurring. They're the ones that are going to want to learn what's new and different and keep up with what's happening in industry. So that becomes incredibly important. But we're also a selling organization. So I need to make sure that the candidates that we find are comfortable commanding a conference call, since that seems to be what we're doing these days, um, or a video call, that they're not afraid to speak up um, and provide a level of input to the customer, to contribute to the strategy for how we're going to market. so those things become incredibly important. And also, you know, people that have that, you know, bit of self, you know, that self-drive within them that are going to push, you know, push the company, push their their teams to continuously be better, do better, learn more. Um, all those things I think are incredibly important because look, we're not sitting here on, you know, in the same office with everyone day in and day out. So if you're sitting at your house, you have to be driven to to go after that next opportunity. So, you know, we need to see that from our candidates. Um, So I think, and that's maybe a little bit different than to maybe dynamics we've seen in the past, because it can be a little easier to draw someone out if you're sitting in the same room with them, a little harder when most of the interaction is done in a video call, as an example. Um, If I think about leaders, that I'm looking for, I mean, communication, I'd say for both individual contributor and a leader is key. Always about communication. And do they have a passion for leading people? Shauna, thank you so much for taking the time to provide your insights on this this war on talent. I think that uh, the, the takeaway for me is there's things that you can do as an organization above and beyond just looking at it from a comp perspective or even a um, working remotely perspective to not only ensure that you find the best and brightest to help your company move and grow into the future, but to also create a workforce that, that's more diverse, feels more inclusive, um, and, and ultimately would drive uh, greater success than perhaps the way we used to do things. So to me, the silver lining on this war on talent is I think it makes us as organizations better. And I think ultimately our employees, these fellow human beings that are driving the success of organizations feel more empowered and more driven. So thank you very much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Terry. Thanks for joining another episode of Light Data Action. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite shows. You can also follow us on Twitter at Light Data Action. And for more Lumen news, at Lumen Tech Co. As always, we'd love to get your feedback and suggestions for future topics you'd like to hear on the show. And I hope you'll join us next time for another conversation.